So I recently told you about this story, and I don't remember what the context or what my point was when I used the illustration before, but here's your second foray into my wonderful trip to Mount Greylock with a few guys for a hammocking camping trip. It was in, uh, Mount, on Mount Greylock in Adams, Massachusetts, so it's a little bit off the beaten path. Therefore, there's not like the city lights that are shining upon you. There's no like street lights. You're just in the mountain. So when the sun goes down, it is very, very dark. So there's some pretty cool wildlife there. We had to put our food in a lockbox <laughs> so that they didn't eat it. We brought personal protective measures, including bear spray, to ward off the bear population. When we're all cozied up in our little hammocks, at night, it's dark. There's my beautiful little face. You get to look at it here and there. You're welcome. I had some light in my hammock that I turned on, but um, if I hadn't turned on the light and I tried to take a picture, all you'd have is one of those flash pictures where like, the person's trying to not blink. You've, have you taken one of those pictures with the flash? And it's like, yeah, it's a, it doesn't work out very well. So I had a little light in there, and I took a picture of me all cozied up in my hammock. Um, <laughs> we're in complete darkness, feeling exposed, and hearing all kinds of noises in the woods. And you don't know what exactly is making that noise. So I was wondering at one point, you know, am I going to have to get out and rescue my sons in the, in the midst of this? Or at what point in the night am I going to have to do that, you know, middle of the night? I got to go to the bathroom and trek out into the great unknown in the darkness. Uh, the point is that darkness can be unsettling. It can be dangerous. And it often produces uncertainty. In our text, in John chapter 12, there is a recurring theme of light and darkness. Light and darkness. And we know, we know that Jesus is the light of the world. We know that He came into the world to bring light into this present darkness. One thing that is sure, light always breaks the darkness. Light always breaks the darkness. When we're talking about Jesus as the light of the world, in addition to exposing what is in the darkness, He also brings victory and transformation. So that's where we are in John chapter 12. Take a look at verses 35 and 36 to begin with. So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. See the imagery that he's using here is you're in darkness, the light is here, if the light doesn't come, you'll continue to walk in darkness and that darkness may overtake you. And you think about someone overtaking you, 
that doesn't feel good, particularly if you're thinking about in the darkness. If you're walking into a dark basement and something overtakes you, you're going to start throwing fists, right? It's, It's going to be a thing. And he's talking about the fact that we have the light for a little while longer. If we didn't have the light, that darkness might overtake you. While we have the light, believe in the light so that you might become sons or children of the light. So the first concept we want to understand this morning is that our Savior is the light who triumphs over darkness. Our Savior is the light who triumphs over darkness. Last week we saw that he has dethroned Satan. That doesn't mean there are no implications to Satan's attempts and his, uh, his promptings at this point, but he has been defeated decisively by Jesus on the cross and Jesus particularly his resurrection. So Satan has been dethroned. When Jesus comes as that triumphant light, he brings life and transformation. Now we live in a world of darkness and it's really a pervasive darkness. It's a darkness that seeks to suck us into its vortex. If you think about it like this, our world is the ultimate gaslighter. Think about this. I'm I'm making up a statement, an accusation, but you'll hear it ringing true. All of you Christians are narrow-minded, judgmental, intolerant, hateful, hurtful, fantasy-believing brainwashers who cannot be trusted to raise your children. Do you hear any accusations there? We live in a world of pervasive darkness. It's, It's all around us. And this is why Paul in Romans chapter 12 told us not to be conformed to the image of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we have this pervasive darkness outside And we could spend all day talking about all the problems everywhere around us, in every part of society, in every area of the world. And we could spend a lot of time thinking about that, meditating on it. But there's a far worse darkness that Jesus speaks of. And it's not the darkness out there, but the darkness that arises from within us. Listen to these words from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7. What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts and sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from where? Within. And they, these things that come from within, they defile a person. This is what uh, Jeremiah said in different words in Jeremiah 17.9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So yes, we could talk about the darkness outside, but a far greater darkness to talk about is the darkness that comes from within us, that darkness that Jesus came to conquer, subdue, and show His light. We feel that darkness within us in so many different ways, just common things. Like Think about it's, it's time for you and your little family to have a movie night. 
So you think, okay, we're going to watch a movie, and you start saying, hey, what movie are we going to watch? And, and child number one says, well, let's watch this movie. It's a perfectly reasonable suggestion. Let's watch this movie. Child number two, no, I don't want to watch that movie. I want to watch this movie. And then I, with my spiritual way, say, oh, um, well, they're both fine choices. We could watch either of them. Of course, it sounds so very sweet and very kind and spiritual. Let's step above the fray. But I've told you so many times that one of my idols is peace. <laughs> I just want to get along. So like, perhaps I might have my own <laughs> motivations for why I'm giving such great counsel to let's, hey, let's, let's just find a way. Let's find a meeting place in between. Part of that darkness is revealed in just the common things of life. I want to share with you just a few words from a book that a number of us are reading through called Limping with God by Chad Bird. Listen to these words that he writes. Martin Luther once wrote that sin does not want to be sin. It wants to be righteousness. He goes on to say, show me a sinner and I'll show you a thousand times per day how that sinner will rarely, if ever, say to himself or herself, I'm about to do something wrong. I know it's wrong, but I will do it anyway. I don't care. No, we will make up excuses, justify our actions, blame others, and claim that we are living according to our own rules. But notice, they are still rules. Or if all else fails, play the it's not nearly as wrong as what he's doing game. What we will not do is treat our sin as sin. Rather, we want it to be righteousness. And this starts when we are young. Every parent, for instance, knows that already as toddlers, children are their own lawyers, zealously defending their innocence, even when caught red-handed. I think that gets at it a little bit. The darkness that's within us is unveiled in so many different ways on a daily basis. We are in need of rescue. We need our darkness to be exposed. And we also need that darkness to be replaced with something much more fruitful. And that's what Jesus has come to do, both to expose and to replace. That's what our Savior has come to do, to bring forth exposure and transformation. That's how verse 36 ends. He says, Believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Believe in the light that you may become sons of light. At the moment we trust Christ, we really, we finally see ourselves as the sinners that we are in need of redemption. And we see Christ as an even better Savior than we are sinners. We come to Him. We trust Him. We call out and say, God, save me. At that moment, God places His Spirit, the Spirit of God, within us, bringing more light. And the Spirit then uses the Word of God as a lamp, both to reveal within and to light without. If you think about Psalm 119 and verse 105, Your Word, God, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
So God is exposing us and what's in front of us. Take a look, please, for a moment at the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We're talking about the fact that Jesus, our light, the light of the world, He has come, He comes and He exposes, and He comes and He triumphs, and He comes and He transforms. He beckons us, as He did those that were in His presence, while the light is here, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. And we have a similar concept here in Ephesians chapter 5. Look please with me at verses 7 through 9. Ephesians 5, 7 through 9. Paul writes, Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Can you see the transformation? This is what you were, and here's now what you are. You didn't create it. You didn't perform it. God did this. He took you from the position of being part of the kingdom of darkness and placed you into the kingdom of His glorious light. Peter talks about it similarly in 1 Peter chapter 2. He's done this. He's taken us from darkness to light. Look a little bit further. Now he says, because you have been made light in the Lord, he says, walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. So as I think about this, I want you to just follow with me for a moment. As those who have been made children of light... It is now our desire to walk in that exposure. God, illuminate it. Show me, show me who I am of my own resources. I'm willing to come under your light. Show me. It brings clarity to who we are by nature, which is those who are who would, in our own way, walk in darkness. That light exposes the motivations that would push us away from that which is healthy. But it doesn't just do that. It also exposes who we are in Christ. The light is not a condemning light. It's a revealing, exposing light. It both reveals our former nature and it reveals our new union And who are we in Christ? When God shines the light on us, what does He say about us that have come to Him as Savior? He lets us know that we are loved children of the God of light. Loved children of the God of light. His exposure reveals that we were children of wrath. Children of devising and deception and darkness. And now He's made us children of the light. Children of our Heavenly Father. He's exposing to us the love that we have. And the results of of all of this exposure, according to this text, is that it causes us to walk in clarity and that God then produces fruit within us. That's what He says in verse 9. The fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. But it's a result of Him producing this because of that exposure of truth. And so I say in response to that, Lord, help us to walk in your light. 
And please, produce the fruit of the light in us and the fruit of the light through us. Because of our own darkness, because of the darkness of those in my family, because of the darkness of those in this room, because of the darkness of my neighbors, co-workers, a world system, the light that God exposes in us then flows through us. And then the, the result of that, and we'll kind of get toward this at the end, it doesn't point back to us. It points to the true light that lightens every man's soul. Jesus is the light of the world who brings a transforming light with him. His light triumphs over our darkness. We're back, back in the Gospel of John chapter 12, please. This is little transitional statement between one paragraph and the next. It's at the end of verse 36. It says, When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. It's a very interesting concept for, for God to go hide. For Jesus the one who spoke the world into existence and was sustaining it in that very moment. It's amazing that he would go and hide. But I would say to you, and I think this is important to understand, that God is at work in the details. That nothing is outside of his purposes and plans. And so, what we start to understand is that Jesus is crucified during the Passover memorial as the greater Passover. That He came into the world as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And He is, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7, He is Christ, our Passover Lamb. Why am I bringing this up? Because there's a, a, just a few days delay between when Jesus went and hid himself and when he's crucified. But it lines everything up with Passover and it causes his resurrection to be on a Sunday. There's all kinds of reasons behind all of that. But just notice that God is not lost with regard to detail. Sometimes we get lost in the details and we don't know why everything is happening the way it is. But one thing you can know and that I can know, God is never confused. And He's at work in all of the little pieces that we don't understand. So Jesus goes and hides Himself. The very fact that Jesus needed to hide Himself for a time introduces us to the next section of our text. And we'll have it with this heading. Our Savior's light was shining, but rejected by many. Our Savior's light was shining, but rejected by many. We're going to read from verse 37 to 43, and then we'll walk our way through it. Verse 37 of John 12. Though He had done so many signs before them, they, did, they still did not believe in Him, so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what He has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory 
and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Our Savior's light was shining, but rejected by many. This paragraph is going to unveil some of the reasons that Jesus' light was rejected. Before, kind of as a backdrop, before we get into the reasons illuminated in the text, there's just some very basic concepts that we have to understand. First of all, man's natural desire is to hide our shame. You know it. I know it. It's been so since the beginning. When we sin, let's bury it and hide the bodies. Men prefer to hide their shame. Jesus said this earlier in the Gospel of John, in John 3.19, this is the judgment that light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Jesus lets us know that men prefer to have their evil hidden. That is a general truth. Ephesians 4.17 says that unbelievers, as unbelievers, we were all darkened in our understanding. In addition to that natural where you and I want to hide our shame and our guilt and not let anyone see it, we prefer people to think well of us than poorly of us, Satan is also at work desiring to keep people in darkness. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says this, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Can you see that Satan wants to blind hearts from seeing the glory of Jesus? Why does Satan want to blind hearts to keep people from, from seeing the glory of Jesus? Because the only thing that will ever save a person is to see a much greater glory. The glory of the, the, the second person of the Trinity, God in the flesh, coming and loving them and living for them and laying his life down for them and being raised for them. And so Satan tries to put blinders on men's eyes. So we're, we're talking about light and darkness. People remaining in darkness. Here's the light, but it's rejected. Why? Well, because men prefer darkness because it hides their shame. And second, Satan is trying to veil that light. Jesus was a shining light. Verse 37 lets us know. It says, Though He had done so many signs before them. So many. It's the same expression used in Hebrews 12. Though he is compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. So great. This is a, it's a superlative. Miracle after miracle and sign after sign. Jesus is demonstrating who he is. That is powerful. Wisdom and care for people. He was putting his deity on display. His power on display. The light is come. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed in verse 38? Who's, they're not re believing the report that's been heard of us. And Jesus was layering his ministry with authentication that he was in fact the coming Messiah. 
the light was there. The light was shining. And it says in verse 37, the, the second part of verse 37, they still did not believe in him. Language alert. Do, 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 do. Language alert. They still did not believe him. The verb here is in the imperfect tense. Yes, write it down, meditate on it. An imperfect tense simply means this. It's a duration of time in the past. A duration of time in the past. The emphasis of an imperfect is its incompleted action, and it's something that took place over the course of time in the past. When he says they still did not believe, this does not indicate they, they did not definitively nor forever believe. So they could have used, John could have used, God could have used an aorist tense. They did not believe him. That is a completed action in the past. He could have used a perfect tense. That's a completed action that has continuing results in the past. I know that you really love the language conversation. It's important. The imperfect indicates something that's going on. They, they were not believing him is the way that you could translate it. They still were not believing him. So indicating that interval of time or that duration of time. Why is it that they were not believing him? Well, verse 38 starts to answer that question. So that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. And he goes on to re- record what was there in Isaiah 53. One, just as Isaiah's message was rejected in his day, so also Jesus' light was rejected at this time. Jesus' exaltation was not at that time to a throne. Jesus' exaltation at that time was to a cross. And the way to the cross was through rejection. They were not believing Him. So they would reject the light. They didn't believe the report. The revealing of the arm of the Lord was there, but they, re- they did not see it. Though Jesus was lifted up, He was not believed. His light, who He really is, was revealed through His power, but they were not believing Him. And then this Strong wording in verse 39. Therefore, they could not believe. They could not believe. They were not believing. Now they could not believe. Now yous can't leave. It's the kind of concept. You're done. But, that's not the end of the conversation. Why could they not believe? Verse 40 tells us why they could not believe. He, God, has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Why did God keep them blind? Why could they not believe? Jesus is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Before Jesus, the second person of the triune Godhead, spoke the world into existence, it was as good as done that he would be slain, that he would be crucified. And here we see it taking place in history. 
They were not believing, fulfilling Scripture. They could not believe. God blinded their hearts. Why? Because Jesus needed to go to the cross. It was in the fullness of time that God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might be what? Receive adoption as sons. And so, Jesus needed to be rejected. As verse 40 is citing Isaiah 6, which is really incredible. If you think of Isaiah 6, Isaiah has this vision of the throne. He's like, wow, I am undone. I'm I'm a man of unclean lips. I live in the, the midst of a people of unclean lips, for I have seen the Lord. And then the the coal comes from under the altar, places them on Isaiah's lips. You're clean, you're cleansed, you're forgiven, you're you're mine. Who's gonna go for us? Uh, send me, Isaiah says. But he's told right from the very start, you're gonna go with this message. And they are not going to believe you. They are not going to believe you. There was a reason for it. Isaiah was going to bring this message. He was going to bring it to the nation. At that time, they would not believe. But if I want you to think about this, the book of Isaiah has been recorded for thousands of years. And from the text of Isaiah, God has redeemed millions of people The message was initially rejected. And yet, out of the outflow of God giving His Word, even though it was initially rejected, God has used the book of Isaiah to convert countless people for Himself. The message was initially rejected and then ultimately embraced. God used that message to bring countless people to see Jesus as Redeemer, Lord, and God. And so also, the rejection of Jesus during this time would lead to the salvation of millions and billions of people. They could not believe. Why? Because blinded their eyes, Jesus would go to the cross and bear the weight of the sin of people for decades and generations and centuries and millennia the sin of the world he takes upon himself by going to the cross and it comes first through rejection. So listen, the rejection of the light in one setting does not equal a permanent rejection. There is great hope available for you, for your family, for your neighbor, for your friends right now. This is good news, friends. This is good news. There's a reason behind all that God is doing. Verse 41, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Isaiah didn't know all of the implications, but he saw the glory of God It was a manifestation of the Son of God, the second person of the triune God, who is the image of the invisible God. He is a declaration of God. Isaiah was speaking forth a message concerning Jesus like the rest of the law and the prophets. So when Jesus, or excuse me, when Isaiah is speaking, like all the rest of the Old Testament, it's pointing forward to this coming Messiah, pointing forward to Jesus. Now verses 42 and 43. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but... 
but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Another reason that these, these crowds rejected the light that came to them was they were settling for a lesser glory. Oh, I want you to think of it like this, please. Just, just walk with me in your mind. They were settling for a lesser glory, a glory that they could see and hear. boy. Oh man, I wish I could be like you. Oh, when you speak, it's so great. Oh, I just see the way you deal with your spouse. I see the way you deal with your kids. Oh, you've got it all together. I wish I could do it like you do. They preferred to be in good standing with people who could see or could not see the dead man's bones of their darkness. Any one of us could come in here and put on our facade. We have our Facebook profiles that only talk about all the good things, right? And if that's what you don't want, like I don't want you to throw like your dirty laundry on Facebook. Don't do that. But like if your if if your way you deal with people is like your Facebook profile, it's like the only tell them all the good things. We've got it all together. Our family's doing things right. Everyone's doing great. Everything's just the way it should be. That is just a bunch of bull. It's not true. You're broken like the rest of us. You are, you're having a hard time like the rest of us. It's difficult. We struggle with ourselves and our own passions, the way that we react to things, the way that people react to us. When people don't like what we say, we don't like it. When people cut in front of us in line at the grocery store, you know, you see them, you're heading for the cash register, you're ahead of them, but they like sneak in there ahead of you. You love it, right? It's like you're really happy when that happens. Oh, go ahead, I've got nothing else to do. Or they open up a new line, and like the person behind you is like sneaks out in there in front of you. Oh, you love it, right? Yeah, you've got no problems. You're like the rest of us. But you can hide all of that. And that's what these rejecting Jesus in that time, these authorities, they were like, yeah, um, I believe what he's doing there, but these people over here think I'm pretty good. And I like access to the good old boys club. Is it worth it? It's natural. They had effectively cleaned the outside of their cups and had established for themselves a human praiseworthy status. The God of light is not deceived nor impressed by such things. To receive praise or glory from Him requires receiving from Him his transforming light. Rather than securing a reputation for ourselves, God's provision for us produces a desire to shine the light on His light. It's not, hey, speak well of me. It's, I want to tell you about someone you can speak well of 24-7, 365 for all the days of your life and you'll never be wrong. Let me point you to him. 
He's the only one that lived and lives in perfect righteousness in thought, word, and deed every single time. Let's talk about him. In his light, we will see light. In our light, we see darkness. But in his light, we see light. So we want to point each other toward him. So we come to the end of the text, these last few verses of our consideration this morning. And we'll see it under this heading, and we're only just going to take a couple of moments here. Jesus' light rescues from darkness and points to his Father. So think about both of those concepts as, as we read verses 44, 45, and 46. Jesus' light rescues us from darkness. That's what we're going to see at the end. And it points to his Father. We'll see that in verses 44 and 45. So take a look, please. Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. You can see the pointing pointing toward the light of his Father. You can see that, right? Now verse 46. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Little side note. The word remain, meno in the Greek, is used 40 times in the Gospel of John. That's pretty impressive. We're going to get to it in chapter 15 quite a bit. Remain. Those who believe in Christ, those who trust Christ, it's so that they may not remain in darkness. The light of Jesus exposes the darkness within and the darkness without. He points us to His Father. And you know what He does? He welcomes you and me into His exposing light. And He rescues us from our darkness. He pays the price for our sin. Though He was rejected and crucified, and through that, He removes the guilt and shame and condemnation brought by our sin. This is what He's come to do. He invites you and me to come to Him for rescue and for transformation. Listen to these words from 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Remember verse four in, uh, chapter 4 and verse 4? Satan's trying to blind our eyes lest we see the glory of Christ. Verse 6 says this, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness. It's a reference to Genesis 1, 3. Let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. How does He do it? In the face of Jesus Christ, God shines into our darkness through the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why week after week we're unveiling and unfolding and reiterating and nourishing ourselves, feasting upon the truth about who Jesus is. Because He's the one that exposes our darkness not only to rescue us and transform us, but to show us who He really is. He is worth believing Our Savior is the light of the world. He was standing right in their presence, demonstrating His rescuing light. And they treated Him like a bug zapper. You know what a bug zapper is? You kind of like them, right? Because they keep the mosquitoes away. Bugs are heading toward the light. 
I see the light. Ah, one less test to deal with. They treated Jesus like he was one of those bug zappers, a light that would put them to death, which in a sense, he does put us to death. But he does so to bring forth a newer, better, eternal life, one that's filled with health and, when I say health, I mean healthy things. When we believe our Savior, He doesn't allow us to remain in darkness. While we see darkness out there and darkness within us, we can be assured that darkness will not have the last word. Darkness will not have the last word. It has no chance of winning. For Jesus, the light of the world, has come and has brought his victorious light. So whatever you're struggling with, it, with, whatever I'm struggling with, I submit to us, be willing to be exposed by Jesus' light. Be willing to be exposed. He is willing to transform you you do not have any need to hide. He knows. He knows everything. You don't have to hide. He has told you that He loves you. He has paid the full weight for your sin to forgive you. So I say to you, don't retreat. Rather, come to Him. A second note as we conclude is, brothers and sisters, we've been made children of light. Sons of light. Let's point to the light. Let's point to Him. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us to be willing to be exposed by the truth of who You are, to reveal the truth of who we are of our own resources, but also to show us who we are because of Christ. Encourage us. Nourish us. Guide us. May Your Word light a pathway in front of us that's clear. And we pray that You'd help us that we might point people to our Savior day in and day out for Your glory and their good. In Jesus' name, Amen.